Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have Tim Sullivan. Tim is uh, DUI royalty over in Pinellas County, and by that I mean he defends uh, people charged with DUI driving, not that he gets a bunch of DUIs. Uh, he was a former prosecutor over in Pinellas County, and he's actually started a new endeavor, somewhat new endeavor in the world of uh, surrogacy. So uh, we're going to talk to him today kind of about his time with the state attorney. Uh, his uh, He's quite a Notre Dame fan, right? That's right. Notre Dame alumni, right? Not an, Not alum. an alumni fan. Okay. Uh, his time at the state attorney's office, his time in the private sector, and his new enterprise. So thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. So uh, I am trying to think if we overlapped at all at the state attorney's office. I worked there from 2002 to 2005. When did you come in? We did not. I did my clinical internship the summer of 07. Okay. And then I started in January of 08. Okay. Now, are you a Florida, a Florida guy? or No, I grew up in upstate New York, Elmira. Oh wow! So I had I had uh, my dad's from Albany, sure, and uh, my aunt uh, lived in Syracuse. So I was up in those parts. Is that anywhere near where you were? Syracuse is about two hours away. Okay. It's two hours, I guess, west of Elmira. Elmira is uh, right in the center of the state and right on the Pennsylvania border. So they consider it upstate, although it's not very far north in the state. It's beautiful up there. I don't know how it was where you're talking about, but. A lot of beautiful woods, just, you know, everybody thinks New York, they think New York City, but there's there's so much more to it, especially in the upstate area. Yeah, it's great, especially this time of year. The weather's just starting to get mild. My cousins uh, sent me a text the other day. It was in the 50s and 60s. Uh, beautiful. Uh, we're right in the Finger Lakes, if you're familiar yeah. with that. So we're right by the middle finger, Seneca Lake. There you go. Somehow that somehow that makes sense for you. Right. Yeah. How long did you stay up there? When did you... When did you... So I graduated from high school in 2000. I've got my 20-year reunion in August of this year. I'm going. Got nice. my flight. Um, I'm actually flying into Syracuse. Okay. Um, I went to a small college in Williamsport, Pennsylvania called Lycoming College. Okay. Home of Little League Baseball. Really? Yep. Okay. And then I uh, moved down to go to Stetson in May of 2005. So I took about nine months off after I graduated and then headed down to Florida. How did you decide to on Stetson? The weather, primarily. Yeah. Um, it was actually the only law school in Florida that I applied to. Oh, really? Um, back then, just in my head, I, I thought that I wanted to live in St. Petersburg, Tampa, without really thinking about the fact that there were less expensive schools Had in Florida. Had you ever been there before? No. So there's just, you picked a spot on the map and that was where you wanted to be? Yeah, my mom and stepdad had retired to Orlando. Okay. So I kind of liked the idea of being... Somewhat close, but somewhat not. close, but not where they'd come over every weekend. <laughs> I, I hear you, I get it. So, uh, so two thousand five, you said? Yep, started in two thousand five. Finished law school in two and a half years. Did, I did you do any summers. of the? Did you do any of the uh, trial team or the MBA or I any didn't... of the magnet programs? No, I, I did not a couple programs, of but special programs. Yeah, I did a couple of the trial competitions. Yeah, um, I think Steve Yared used to oh, do for one. Sure. Yeah, but I didn't do any of the trial team. I actually started working for. Frank Russo when I was in law school. Oh, really? I didn't know that. All through law school. Oh, that's right. great. That's great. Now, at that time, it was just he and his wife, wasn't it? He and his wife, and then Mark was their associate back oh, then. Oh, he was working. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Did he... Was Mark at the public defender's office or the state attorney's office? He was at the state attorney's office. I think it was in Lake County or Charlotte oh, County. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's it's coming back to me now. 
So, oh, that's great. So when you left law school, you went straight to the state attorney's office. Right. So I started at the state on January the 2nd of 2008. Okay. So right after I graduated, Nicole Wilson at the time, so Nicole Kopik now, Lee Perlman's wife, or Nicole yeah, Perlman, sure. uh, Lee Perlman's wife, we started the same day. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Now, your, your wife's an attorney too, isn't she? Yeah, she still works at the state attorney's did, office. Did, did you meet her in law school or meet her at the state attorney's office? I met her. She was in Division G with me at the state attorney's okay, office. Okay, And how, how long was your tenure at the state attorney's office? Three years and 11 days. Oh, well, you did 11 days longer than I did. Yeah. I stopped on the day. It was a Friday, <laughs> I remember. Well, yeah, it was an interesting time at the state attorney's office because the economy was so bad. Yeah, going that, out on your own just didn't make any uh, sense or in the private you know, sector at all. Yeah, now there you know, people are getting up to felony after 12 or 13 months. I actually did 36 months in county court. Wow. I, I never got up to felony, which now doing what I do now, it ended up being Working a blessing. Working perfectly, for sure. Um, yeah. But it was disappointing back then. I had one murder case that the division director in county court brought me along, and I did the grand jury on. Um, and I was going to ultimately try that case in January, which is why I had the extra 11 days. That always happens. And of course it pled out. Yeah, that's, that also always happens. Right. You end up staying longer for that trial and it ends up kind of fizzling and you're like, oh, yeah, I've, I've talked to many. I've, I've had many an interview with potential employees that were similarly situated. Right. So, well, uh, for those of you who aren't attorneys or don't understand what uh, Tim's referring to, uh, Tim's practice uh, currently is multifaceted, but... They're highly regarded, well, throughout Florida, but obviously in Pinellas County, as that's where they're located, uh, for their work in DUI defense. I know that, uh, I don't know if this is still true, but I know that you guys were getting licensed in uh, intoxilizer operating teaching classes to the police department. You guys always seem to be kind of at the uh, tip of the spear as far as what sort of education you can have in defending these DUI cases. Is that still kind of the way you guys run? Yeah, yeah. I go all over the country going to DUI seminars. Actually, the licenses that I had, it was kind of a three-year plot where I had the state attorney's office paid for all of that training. Right. Uh, I became a breath test operator, uh, an agency inspector of the intoxilizer, and then I went to the DRE school all while I was an employee of the state attorney's office. So DRE, for those of you who don't know, is a drug recognition expert. And as you uh, can probably imagine, not all DUIs are uh, based on uh, alcohol intake. There can be anything from you know, uh, illegal drugs, un un unprescribed uh, controlled substances, that sort of thing at play. So oftentimes that's where a DRE will come into play during a DUI case, and I'll ask you more about that now. Sure. So uh, did you know when you were leaving that it was going to be with Frank? I mean, was that lined up kind of from, from the time that you had worked there in law school? Well, I, I hoped that it worked out that way. I looked up to Frank a lot, thought he was a pretty bright guy and pretty sharp guy. So I hoped that someday they would come to me and ask me to join the law firm. And then about a year before I left the state, uh, they came to me and proposed that I come join the law firm uh, Frank's health. He was having all these headaches at the time. Yeah. Luckily, he's that's okay. been, been cured, but he simply didn't want to go to court anymore and wanted to uh, handle less files. Uh, so I got lucky. Really. Yeah. Now, when did you make partner? Mark and I actually bought the business oh, was that what happened? from okay. Frank in 2017. So I was never partners okay. with Frank. Okay. 
So what's what's the t working title now? Is it Pelletier and Russo, or is there, or, I'm sorry, Pelletier and Sullivan, or is Russo still in the title? It's Russo, Pelletier, and okay, Sullivan. Okay, so is he of counsel, or is that how that works? Or? He's a retired founding partner. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So now I, I always look at you as a DUI attorney, but you guys do everything across the board criminally, don't you? Well, Mark does. Okay. Um, I actually just handled my last non-DUI case. I just resolved it last week. So um, right now, 100% of my law practice is DUI defense. And as I was telling you uh, before the show, Mark and I were uh, students at the same time at Stetson. And uh, if you know Mark, uh, he's, he's a razor sharp guy. I mean, he's one of the more intelligent people you're ever going to have the opportunity to come across. And I kind of feel like that's your, your firm's thing. Cause I think you're the same way. I think Russo is the same way you guys are, you know, very, very good with the nuances of DUI. Whereas most people come in and they see, you know, what did you blow? How do you look on the video? You guys are getting into the nooks and crannies of cases and kind of figuring out the, uh, less, uh, glaring issues that might come up in a case. Would you, would you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly the devil's in the details sure. and we try to look under every stone in, in those DUI cases. And my thing, the reason why a lot of people get me involved is specific to reviewing the records for the intoxilizer and finding problems with the calibration and accuracy of the machines. So me being a uh, Cretan in this area, you know, I'll, I'll look at the records and say, has it been pulled offline within a certain period of time? But there's more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah. A lot of the problems that I find don't come from the inspections. They come from the individual breath tests. Okay. And can you explain that yeah, a little well, bit further? Um, probably the biggest problem that I found in the last couple of years was um, not on my client's breath test, but I look at every single breath test that's been conducted on the machine for a year. Uh, and in one case, I found that someone was alleged to have provided a breath sample that was twice the legal limit, but that there had been no volume of air that had been introduced into the machine. So imagine you go to Publix, and before you even step on the scale, it says that you, you weigh, weigh 160 pounds. Right. You know, that's a problem. Yeah, the baseline is inflated, so exactly. the result is inflated. So that's interesting. Um, uh, now in Tampa, we have the rider program, Pinellas, they don't have that. Have they considered that? Do you know where that's at? Do you have any views on that? I don't think they've considered it and I don't think it's going to happen in Pinellas County anytime in the near future. Sure. We have the, um, APAD program for other kinds of misdemeanors and, and minor offenses, but I don't think you're going to see anything with DUI happen in Pinellas County anytime soon. So in Hillsborough County, we have the Rider Program, and I, I don't remember what the acronym stands for, you might, but uh, effectively what it is is it's a diversion program for first-time DUI offenders here in Hillsborough County. So if you qualify, uh, you can avoid certain things like the record and some of the other stuff that comes along with getting uh, convicted of a DUI. Um, so there are some differences of treatment between Hillsborough and Pinellas County, and uh, you can probably guess why that might be, but politically speaking, might might at least in part have something to do with it. But in any event, how have you seen the, the practice of DUI defense change over your career? Um, um, I think it comes in waves. Yeah. A lot of people ask me, well, has your practice gone downhill since Uber came around? And it really hasn't. The people that planned ahead are still planning ahead, and they're just paying less for their rides, and it's easier to get a ride. Right. Uh, easier to get a ride. Um, it comes in waves in the sense that you have different sets of leadership at the state attorney's office 
unlike Hillsborough County, where it's my understanding that a line prosecutor can agree to a deal on a certain case in Pinellas County, everything goes through right supervisors and, and, um, you know, the results that you get depend on what the supervisor's mentality is towards prosecution. So it changes from year to year, depending on who's in charge. Who's looking at it. Yeah. Um, Now, along the way, you've developed uh, another area of practice, and I kind of wanted to ease into that and kind of explain kind of the background of how you got there. So, again, your wife is also an attorney. Yep. You and your wife are prosecutors. My wife and I were prosecutors. Uh, and you've got two children currently, correct? Yep, Kayla and Emma. And how old are they? Kayla is four, and Emma will be 18 months, I think, on uh, Friday. Oh, wow. So uh, I don't know how I first learned of it. I think it was on Facebook, but I saw that you have entered into the world of, I, I don't even know what you would call it. Would you call it the world of surrogacy, legal surrogacy? What's, what's, what, what's... I think you call it assisted reproductive technology is the proper term. Okay. And that, what's the genesis of that? How is it that you came to uh, become involved in that? Yeah. So the backstory is um, Courtney and I got married in 2013. Had to look to the left for a second That's there. That's okay. Huh? Um, and we didn't have any children for the first couple of years. In the beginning of 2015, we decided to give it a shot. And we got pregnant with Kayla the first month that we tried. And right. of course, you know, when that happens as a man, you feel like an absolute champion. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I thought that we were invincible. Right. And we went through the pregnancy with very little complication. Um, we got to the due date, which I believe was November the 10th. Uh, and that came and went. So she was now on maternity leave, although we didn't have a baby yet. And then on November the 13th, we were at the Olive Garden having dinner, and she went into labor at oh the Olive gosh. Garden. And we went to the hospital at Morton Plant, and they said, well, your contractions aren't close enough together yet, so why don't you go home? To which my wife said, no, we'll just wait here in the lobby, and when you have a room ready for us, we'll, we'll go into the room. So they got us a room right away as soon as she said that. And we went through kind of the craziest labor story I've ever seen where um, she, it went from midnight on Friday to Kayla was finally born just after midnight on Sunday. Oh. So 12.20, I think it was 12.21 a.m. on Sunday. Um, Courtney had pushed for like five or six hours. Oh, my God. We weren't getting progress. The, the contractions were going for five minutes at a time rather than having these breaks in between. Right. It was just a crazy situation. Um, so finally, the doctor called it and said, you know, this is it. We're going to do an emergency C-section, which uh, was kind of the last thing that Courtney wanted. So they suited us up. I had on like a full surgery outfit, right. and they had me wait in this little room outside of the operating room. Uh -huh. And it, it was, I mean... I've been there twice. Yeah. I, I mean, St. Joe's, but yeah. So you're in this tiny room. There's no windows. There's a tiny window where you can see out the door. So I'm just standing there trying to see what's going on. It felt like forever later. They come in and get me. Um, Courtney was on the operating table. They had the kind of curtain that sure. divided her. And um, not long later, they performed the surgery and Kayla was out and crying. And... Everything was fine. I remember that um, Courtney was very tired from the medication that they had given her, so she was starting to doze off. And I heard the 
the OB say something like, can you get me the hospitalist or I need the hospitalist? I didn't know what it meant at the time. What I later found out is we've got a trauma situation going on. We need kind oh of all God. hands on deck. So they t- I, I asked, should I wait here? Where do I go? I, I didn't know. Yeah. Kayla had to go up to the NICU just because of everything sure, that went on. Yeah. Um, not for very long, just for a few hours. So we went, I w- they told me to go up with Kayla and that Courtney would be up in a half hour. And then eight hours later, I'm in the room with Courtney's mom. We hadn't heard anything. Oh my God. Um, Courtney's mom is tr- panicking. I'm panicking. I'm panicking listening to this. Right. I, uh, I finally just lost it and went out in the hallway and just screamed like someone's got to tell me what's yeah. going on here. And then one of the wasn't a doctor, it was a midwife that had been in the room, came in and told us that things were pretty bad, that she was bleeding and they couldn't find where it was coming from, and that uh, that they thought they were going to have to take her uterus. And I yeah. said, I don't care what you take, just save her life, so, yeah, do what you got to yeah, do. Yeah. Thank God they had enough blood uh, in the hospital. She took something like 20 blood transfusions. Oh um, so they performed a hysterectomy. She kept her ovaries, which was important detail that comes Some in later. In later, yeah. And um, she was in the ICU with people, you know, dying all around her for three days. Oh, my God. Um, of course, the hospital wasn't really equipped for having a new mom in the ICU. Yeah. Because, you know, the baby can't be left alone. So Did the you only... say this was St. Anthony's or Bayfront? No, or... Morton Plant. Morton Plant. Okay, go ahead. Um, so whenever I couldn't take the baby down to the ICU by myself, they had to have a baby nurse that was free to attend to only one baby at a time right. to come down with me. So it was really crappy for the first five or six days of what the baby's life. What a bittersweet experience. Right. First right. child and all this going on. I can only imagine. Uh, it, was, it was rough. I'll tell you what. Um, Courtney, some of her state attorney girlfriends came over, and they saw how I was. Courtney, you know, by this time was back up in a regular room, and she was starting to walk again, and she had pretty bright spirits. I couldn't talk about it without crying. Every time my mouth opened. I, I, you and I don't hang out personally, but we know each other professionally, and you're one of the more even keel, kind of stoic people that I know. So to get you in that state, it must have been something. Oh, man. I, I still have PTSD. Yeah, Whenever I'm I hear sure. about someone having a baby. Well, it, it, look look what good came of it. Right. So, so then um, we kind of went through this period where we got home, and we got Courtney healthy, thank God, and Kayla was perfectly healthy, a very big baby she was. Yeah. And uh, we kind of just thought that it was our lot in life that we were only going to have one child, which was not part of our plan. We always thought we'd have uh, more than one child. And then I was at a DUI seminar in Austin, Texas. And it's my favorite seminar. It's my favorite city. Um, And when I go to that one, Courtney will, it's Wednesday to Friday, and then Courtney will fly out on Friday and we can spend the weekend in the Capitol. And she flew out and we were going out to dinner and we saw a brochure for uh, surrogacy. And we both kind of talked about it and said, do you think this is something we can look into or try? And uh, we, when we got home, we Googled surrogacy agencies and we visited several of them and ultimately um, went with a surrogacy agency in Sarasota. And, uh, and that's how we got started. So you and I both know what surrogacy is, and it's a relatively common term, but just to kind of explain the process. Sure. So, so there's two kinds of surrogacy. There is traditional surrogacy, where you have a surrogate mother who's carrying the child for someone else, but that child has a biological relationship to the surrogate mother. So the surrogate mother's using her own eggs and the sperm from the a father. father. 
um, or a donor, sperm donor. And then you have gestational surrogacy, which is what we did, where the gestational carrier, the surrogate mother, has no biological relationship to the child. An embryo is created outside of the surrogate and then implanted into the surrogate to carry. So Emma, although Courtney did not carry her, is biologically our child. It's right. my sperm and her egg. Right. So uh, we kind of jumped around, but obviously the brochure led to your second child. Right. So we uh, looked into whether we could do this and how much it was going to cost. And it was quite expensive. I'll just tell you that. Ballpark, what is it? Just because what my one of my sincere hopes, uh, aside from people just learning about you on, is I would love this to be kind of an entry point for people making this decision. So the more that I could kind of yeah. have you explain it, you know, what, when someone's getting into this, kind of what are they looking at financially? I would say on the low end, uh, the lowest I've seen it happen for is about $65,000. Wow. And on the high end, you can go up to... Sure. About one hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah. So, uh, and and how was the uh, process for you? I mean, obviously, it was a different uh, birthing process than it was with your first child. Right. But how how was it with uh, the surrogate mother carrying the child? Psychological. I mean, yeah. So what to, sort of things did you face? So to to begin with, we met with the surrogacy agency. We decided to use them. They then created a profile for Courtney and I and Kayla and our dogs mm -hmm. that was kind of like a, a, a flyer. Th these are the Sullivans. Yeah. Here's why they want another baby. Yeah. And, and are you willing to help them? And that got sent out to people that wanted to be gestational carriers. We ended up, I mean, this could be any someone that was all over the world. We were hoping that it would be someone that we could fly to on Southwest at right. least. Yeah. Uh, when they called, they called us within a week and said, we have a match. Unfortunately, you can't fly to them on Southwest because she only lives two hours away. Oh, wow. So we had a match in Orlando. She met all of our criteria in terms of, of what we were looking for. Specifically, she had been a surrogate before. We wanted someone who'd gone through it, who'd carried someone else's child and had given that child back to the parents. So um, we met with her, and we had they, they set up like a video conference where you get to know each other and ask questions. Um, we both agreed that we wanted to go forward with the process. And then a whole slew of other things begins. You have to get um, both the surrogate and the intended parents have to get medically cleared by a doctor, um, which was crazy to me that I had to get medically cleared, but um, it's fine. So I got medically cleared. Courtney got medically cleared. Surrogate did. We had to have a meeting with a psychiatrist where we got psych evaluations so that we could be cleared um, to go forward. Um, we then had a lawyer that was based out of Orlando, and she had her own lawyer, and a contract was uh, drawn up. So let me stop you there just because I'm curious about this, and I don't know the answer. I, I've had experiences with people where they were planning to adopt a child uh, prior to the child uh, being born. Uh, with a surrogate mother where uh, the type of situation that you're discussing, do they have a any kind of a legal entitlement to that child prior to... Well, I guess this, the process doesn't even happen until the contract's signed, so I guess that kind of addresses it at the outset. Right. So so you have a contract that's in place before um, they implant our embryo okay. into the surrogate. In fact, the, the reproductive endocrinologist will want to see that there's been legal clearance that a contract is in place before they'll even begin the Do process. Anything. So it's not really an issue at that point because all the legal... I mean, has anybody ever backed out that you've heard of or well, the, attempted to? there's certainly been some cases across the country. There's one notable case from California. I think the case was Johnson 
where um, the surrogate wanted to keep the baby after, after she gave all birth. The papers, yeah. So um, the the short version of how it works is when the baby is born, um, it technically has a birth certificate with the surrogate mother and presumably the father. Right. And then the um, intended parents lawyer goes to court, has that birth certificate sealed, and a new birth certificate is issued within three days um, that has the intended parents' names on it. Now, I know this only because we discussed it briefly uh, before you came in today, but overall you found the experience to be uh, a, a good one, but there was some things that you saw that could be improved upon. Is that is that a good way of saying it? Yeah. I mean, it's such a sensitive issue because you're dealing with the two things that people value the most, their family and their money. Right. And um, I was overall impressed with and very satisfied with most of the providers involved. Um, when, you, when you go through this process, you have to have all these different players involved. One of those players is called the escrow agent. So let's say that Josh Sheridan is- like a title agent, right? but for pregnancy. So Josh is going to carry my child. We come to an an agreement as to how much Josh is going to be reimbursed for the uh, pain and suffering that he'll undergo during that period of time. Um, And it's not good enough that that I just say that I'm going to pay that money. I have to deposit those funds with a third party. Right. And and then that third party will essentially represent the contract and make sure that all money that is owed under the contract gets paid. Um, When we went through this, it was 2018 for the most of it took place in 2018. That seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah. It was two years ago. And it was a lifetime (laughs) ago. Yeah. Um, So... You know, my opinion was that we were not kept up to date very well at all on expenses going out. To me, in 2018, there should have been a mechanism in place where we would have instant access to a dashboard, to, like to you that. have with your bank account or your investments Exa- or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it just didn't work that way. Um, the tip of the iceberg was about a month before um, Emma was born, we get an email saying that we have to send a very large deposit to the escrow because it's going to come up short. And I thought, man, sure would have been nice to know this four months ago so that we could have planned ahead. Um, But it is what it is. It all worked out. And we have a very happy baby now. And it inspired me to start this company called My Surrogacy Escrow. So tell me about that. Like, I I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like, how how did, you know, obviously now the seed's planted, but you don't even have a, a template. Well, I mean, I guess you can kind of seek one out, but I mean, for us leaving the state attorney's office, there's any number of private attorneys we can emulate in building our practice, but that's something that's just in, in a whole other part of, of the world, you know. So how did, how did you even figure out how to do that? Well, my experience with this previous company gave me a pretty good idea of, sure. of how to do it, and that company was uh, very similar to me. They were a lawyer that had this separate company that was run through the law firm trust account, um, which is how I run mine. Essentially, the my surrogacy escrow retains the law firm for the trust fund management. So, okay. um, you know, the way that I went about it is setting up principles as to how the business would operate. Um, you know, you'll have up to the second information as to what you do that. How do you achieve that? I use a case management portal for the law firm that all of the intended parents and surrogates get usernames and passwords to. So you could log in at one in the morning and see exactly what your balance is at and details as to what money is spent on. Um, anytime that I 
that I send out a payment, I cite to the portion of the gestational surrogacy agreement as to what justifies the payment. So, so, but you're not the one saying how much should be in there. You're not the nope. one saying what the terms of the agreement between the surrogate mother and the parents are. You're just the, the like right. a title agent in right. a lot of ways. Do you that, have to have the insurance like a title agent does, an underwriter or something like that? Well, the insurance is all through the law firm because okay. we're getting retained. The law sure. firm is getting retained okay. too. So is this is this a part of your partnership with Mark or something separate? It's separate. And is it a separate trust account or is it the same trust account? Same trust account. Okay. Now, do you have staff? I don't have staff. I have one partner in that business named Cynthia, okay. who uh, had worked for a surrogacy agency for a long time. So she's got a lot of knowledge about surrogacy. The other major benefit that she brings into the fold is that she is fluent in speaking Spanish. Oh, that's great, especially and it, locally, yeah. And a huge percentage of our clients are from Spanish-speaking countries, Argentina. You were just, yeah, again, before the show, you were uh, talking and you were telling me that you're doing a couple all over the world. You had mentioned, that, I think, some Fran France. Where France. Uh, we've got uh, intended parents in Argentina is a, a very popular country. Um, just got some intended parents from Switzerland. Um, London, uh, one from Canada. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, politically, have you seen the uh, difference in, in immigration and the difference in policy as far as, has that played any role in the process of surrogacy when you're talking with international clients or? Um, not really. No. Because um, if the child is, uh, most of the people that get us involved, the surrogate is located in the state of Florida right. because Florida has such surrogacy-friendly laws. Okay. Um, so when that child is born in the United States, they are a United, United States, States citizen. citizen. Great. So uh, is there a lot of these? Are you kind of the only one locally, or is it a saturated market? How, how um, there's not very many escrow huh. agencies. Okay. There's one that's kind of the major player. They're the Walmart of, okay. um, of surrogacy escrow. Uh, and, and people ask me, do you want your company to get that big? I really don't. Well, really, was that the company you used? Or no, was that no, when you, it's, okay. a, it's a newer company. Okay. Um, and they do a lot of the same things that I do where they pretty high tech. They use right. an app right. up to the second information. But, you know, the, what I have going for me is I have a personal relationship with every single person that I work with. Right. I send a message, uh, you know, hey, you're at 24 weeks. It's, you know, we're getting there. We're getting close. You're like the, uh, was it the hair club for men? I'm not just an owner, yeah. I'm a, I was a client. So That's it's right. kind of a, you've got uh, a unique uh, experience having gone through it so you can empathize with the people that you're dealing with. And how has it been? Has it been successful? I mean, are you... It, it's been great. I don't think it's going to get me into retirement early, but sure. um, it's a nice um, something to do other than DUI defense. What what uh, ratio of your time? I mean, is this something that you're touching every day or... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's a couple hours a day. Um, you know, the when I have to make payments, I just have to make payments right. as they come in. I don't right. save it all up for one day. Right. And certainly I want to make sure that the gestational carriers, if they're due money, they get it right away. Okay. So with the escrow, is it just promulgated fees or how is it that you... It's a flat fee. Flat fee. Right. Okay, so it's a volume. If you're doing it for the business, it's a volume business. I understand that exactly. you're doing it because you're convicted uh, from your personal experience but so uh, being a father and an attorney with a uh, with a wife who's an attorney I was just having this conversation with uh, Helene Daniel who was in here before you she's running for judge her husband is a, an attorney and both of her kids one is a, an attorney now and another one I think is an engineer but uh, 
Uh, I, I'm wondering what impact that will have on my children, you know, what they're picking up between my wife and I in the home. Uh, what's been your experience being a, a family of attorneys? Well, I certainly hope that they don't become attorneys. Yeah, I say that all the time. Do anything else. But um, I could see my older daughter right now, just from their attitude and demeanor. I could, her eye. Yeah, I could see her going to law school. I'm hoping Emma's like a neurosurgeon to yeah. take care of her old man when right. when I get old. When you start to, be, to get demented in a, right. in a few years. So how did the whole Notre Dame thing, how, how did you become a fan? I just grew up Irish Catholic. Yeah. It's what we did. Me as well, yeah. yeah so. do, you, do you still practice or... Do, do, do you I still go to church? Or I, I don't go to Catholic yeah. church anymore. Yeah. We, go, we go to a non-denominational yeah. church. Yeah, I grew up, went to St. Paul Catholic and, and St. Pete, and uh, my dad was in the seminary to become a priest before he met my mom, I, you know, Irish Catholic from Albany, so definitely had that, that upbringing. And uh, actually, that's my uh, great-grandfather from Sligo, Ireland, who was the only other attorney in the family that we can trace to, so it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, my dad is still goes to Catholic service, I think, twice a week. Yeah, it's impressive. I, I, I've kind of had an ebb and a flow over, over my relationship with it in my life. When my, a lot of people find, find God or find religion when something dark happens. I kind of went away from it. When my mom was diagnosed with cancer, that kind of got me out of it. And then I've had an ebb and a flow with it since uh, I've had children and both my parents have passed. And Kind of now where I'm at is if, if you took an hour out of your week to just sit there and not look at your phone and kind of contemplate things, whether or not you're praying or listening to the sermon or anything else, it's got to be a net positive in your life. Oh, sure. So that's, that's kind of how I look at it. So what does the future hold for you? Do you, do you see that uh, this is going to be kind of what you do? Do you retire or do you have other aspirations? Well, I don't know. Um, I hope that things stay the way that they've been and, and I can continue because I enjoy both things that I do. I really enjoy the DUI practice. I really enjoy the surrogacy escrow practice. I'd like to see the escrow grow a little bit yeah. um, so that it could take up a little bit more of my time. But I, I hope that things stay the way that they, they are. I hope that we add some other um, branches to our law firm, maybe some different practice areas. We uh, just in the last year, we hired an associate, so we have a third lawyer working for us. Well, the name in the community, you really could. I mean, I, I can understand why no one wants to do family, but, I mean, you, you have that uh, funnel there that you probably could very easily uh, fill up a whole new department, you know, with uh, clientele. So I, I could definitely see that coming. Do you guys get to travel much at all? We have kind of certain specific trips that we have to do I think every I see year. I them on Facebook now and again. So yeah. Memorial Day, we go up to her, her dad's an attorney that right. spends half his time here and half his time in North Carolina. So we always go up to Pinehurst, North Carolina for that. Then we've got my dad's birthday in July. I usually take one or two Notre Dame trips in the fall. I was going to say, I know some college football trips in there somewhere. Yeah. So tell me about Reese's Pieces. I don't know how, how it was that that came to pass, your fascination and my shared fascination with those. Yeah, I just really, I've always, I'm not a big desserts guy. Yeah. You know, well, Reese's I, Pieces, sorry. Reese's, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I, yeah. Sacrilege. It's always, apology. it's always been my favorite candy. And there was just an ongoing joke with my wife when we first got married where um, I would I would send her a photo and say it was you know, buy one can of hairspray, get a free Reese cup yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to kind of justify my purchase of yeah, a Reese cup. Yeah, yeah. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And It's just now, a superior product yeah. in, in pretty much every way. Well, especially this time of year, Josh, we're getting into Reese peanut butter cup Easter egg season, yeah, which yeah. Um, I'm sure you're aware is by far the 
the best of the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah it's the, <laughs> the top tier. Well, at some point along the way, I saw it on social media. So now there's there's people out there. Anytime I see anything to do with the DeLorean, I get I give Nick Dorston a right. shout out. Reese's Pieces to you. I think it's a Camaros for Mike Boyle. And then <laughs> any way that I control uh, Rex Blake about Vladimir Putin or, or being a, a, a liberal and, you know, I, I feel compelled to do it. And actually, uh, Tim was nice enough today to not only bring me a sleeve of Reese's peanut butter cups, but also the hottest commodity on the market right now, a four pack of ultra gentle Charmin mega. So, uh, I, I'm going to put some bids on the, uh, on the, uh, Facebook page and we can, we can see who that goes out to. But anyway, Tim, Tim, thank you so much for stopping by. It was a pleasure. Yeah, um, it's great. Thank you so much for having I me. I think it's really cool what you're doing. I mean, I most respect for the, for your practice. You guys are so well regarded Anytime I have a question, you or, you or Mark are the first person that I text or email. But uh, the surrogacy thing, I just think, is really cool. Uh, you know, I think both of us are uh, love being fathers. And, and, you know, it's it's a joy that I think anybody should be able to have if they're committed to, to doing it. And uh, the fact that you're kind of sticking your neck out there and helping people achieve that goal, I just think is a beautiful thing. So uh, before we go... Uh, Law firm website, uh, surrogacy website, where can people find you? Sure. The law firm website is defensehelp.com. Okay. The surrogacy website is mysurrogacyescrow.com. Okay. And then we're on Facebook and Instagram, I believe. Now, I know I was I was near your office because I was doing the radio show because the Cox Media Group is just right above where your office was. Is that your only office? Didn't, didn't Frank used to have one that was downtown near Tyrone? Or I thought there was a... He probably did. Okay. Uh, we have the main office in the radio building, okay. and then we have a satellite office on Gulf to Bay in Clearwater, okay. which is kind of my bachelor pad. Yeah, you get to go hang out. And... Yeah, because my oldest, when we had the second child, I have to pick up the oldest from school. Oh, that close and if, by? Yeah, if I was leaving from St. Pete, I'd have to leave at 345. Well, you know, I got uh, I got Marie Schaub over here, and right now she and Ryan are still living over in Clearwater, but their kids go to Primrose, so she's got to drive from there to Primrose and then come here, but they're, they're about to close on a home just down the street, so they're pretty stoked about that. Yeah, I actually, I saw that, so I texted Ryan and asked him about it. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's a, good. That's Those been... are good people you're working with. Yeah, so anyway, well, thank you again so much. It's a pleasure. Uh, hopefully, you'll come back. We could talk Notre Dame football and some other stuff, but... It was great having you on the show, and thank you for coming by. Thanks, Josh.